Episode 25 of Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguard. Sisu Mouthguard. Drink. Breathe. Talk. You can do it all with a Sisu Mouthguard in your mouth, guarding your chompers. It's really the most breathable, lightweight, and durable mouthguard on the market, Gumby. And that's why both of us use a Sisu Mouthguard when we roll in MMA. But if MMA or BJJ is not your thing, you are certainly able to use them for team sports or if you had a little tight youth sports as well. So head on over to SISUGuard.com and get yourself whatever mouthguard you need. Episode 25 is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguard. We are rolling. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast, Episode 25. I am joined, as always, by Daniel Gumby Vreeland, the co-editor of MMA-Manifesto.com. I am David Tremonti. Thank you so much for getting us in your eardrums, however it is you do that. We, of course, are available on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever a podcast is being streamed. We have an RSS feed. No big deal. And, of course, you can catch us on Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA. Did I get everything out of the way? Yep. And you can also follow me, at Gumby Freeland on Twitter, if you so are inclined. All right. So, Gumby, how you doing today? Uh, pretty good. It was a heck of a day for match announcements, even though we've been uh, kind of in that lull as far as getting to see some fights. Yeah, so we haven't had a fight since McDonald uh, Wonder Boy. Going, going through withdrawals yet. Yeah, going through withdrawals. It was weird having a free weekend of no MMA. Um, I watched a lot of old MMA, um, some early UFCs. But then the UFC gods released some info, and we found out that UFC 202 is nothing short of st- 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 stacked. It is sick. Uh, you have Glover versus Rumble was moved uh, from late July on the Fox card, is now on UFC 202, I assume co-main eventing. I, I think they said it was co-main eventing, but I'm not 100% sure. There's some other awesome fights on there that certainly could be co-main event worthy. You also have Damian Maya versus uh, Carlos Condit. Yeah, that could be co-main event. I, I'm actually probably more excited for that one than Rumble Glover. Uh, and then you have Rick Story versus Donald Cerrone at 170, which also, I have to say, just great bit of matchmaking. Yeah, that, I mean, there's no way that could be boring. You got two guys who refuse to back down. Um, and just kind of very different styles, even though they both are the type that never back down. We will save our, you know, in-depth breakdown for when 202 rolls around, but just early returns, early thoughts, Maya versus Condit as a fresh matchup. Who you got in that, uh, you know, two months out? God, that one's tough because you have to debate whether or not Maya can get him down. If Maya can get him down, which... I don't know why I keep saying if and that all the time, because it seems like he can get anybody he wants down recently. Um, but you have to wonder if he can get Condit down. It's definitely all Maya's fight. If it stays on the feet, you got to assume it's Condit. So then it just becomes the question, when, if, how long does he stay down? Uh, you know, it's so funny because I look back at this run that Maya's on, and I go back to, I think it was early 2014 if i'm not sure i'll look it up in a You're second talking about the rory fight yeah and yeah. rory survived that first round on the ground which came back to win it which at the time just seemed like god rory turned in a shitty performance there and then now looking back at it you're like wow that really was an incredible performance by rory mcdonald you know i was uh thinking about it this weekend like hey it's so crazy we haven't had any rory mcdonald free agency news but then i went and read the fine print if you will and he actually has it's uh 60 days he can't negotiate from the last fight so we won't really find out like so he's got 60 days exclusive to zufa yeah, yeah. correct but they've already said i mean maybe they're going to do some sort of like backroom dealing but it looks like he's going to free he's going to wait that 60 days out yeah, so we'll get something at the end of the summer. He fought June 18th, so, you know, like mid-September we'll get some some Rory news. Mm-hmm. Um, then, as far as Rumble Glover goes, I think we already talked about that, but I have a little bit of a conspiracy theory on that. I really wish that was main eventing, uh, you know, like a fight night or a Fox card, because it just to me, I'd like to see Glover try to drag Rumble into the deep waters of round four and five. I feel like the UFC is very much rooting for Rumble in that one. Glover's already faced John Jones. I, I, I agree with that conspiracy theory, too, because uh, initially when they announced that fight and said it was going to be on with Holmes Shevchenko, I was like, oh, they'll, they'll main event Glover. Yes. And, and not because I don't think Holly Holm is worthy of a main event spot, but because I didn't think Valentina Shevchenko was. Well said. You know, like, uh, nothing against her. She's been on a nice run, but, like, that, that screams co-main event to me. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And the Glover Rumble one is one with it's like instant title, title implications. In- yeah, and not that Holm doesn't either because, you know, if Holm goes in there and throws a head kick and knocks Shevchenko into the next zip code, she's going to get a title shot too, but it's not like a two-way title shot deal. You know what I mean? Whereas like Glover and, and Rumble are both very close to a title shot again. Yeah, and then the other thing with uh, 202 is you have another uh, bout that has instant title ramifications, right? What do you think if Condit were to beat Maya, is he just right back in the picture for the winner of Wonder Boy versus Lawler or Wonder Boy versus I, I think Whibley? whoever wins that is instantly the yeah. next challenger. I mean, like, Damian Maya has is, is been on the door long enough. I mean, he's what is he on a six-fight win streak or some damn thing like that? So, like, he's right on the door, too. Condit just had the tough fight with Lawler. I'd say either of them, really. Yeah, agreed. Um, Now, here's one thing I did want to bring up to you, Gumby, which was what are your thoughts on the UFC loading up 202, the way they're stacking it? Um, You know, Connor versus Nate is the main event, by the way, people. That would have sold well on its own. They could have gone with more of the boxing model, you know, put that atop, sell your million and a half pay-per-views, and you could just put on a bunch of jobbers on the underneath. But they're loading the show up. What do you make of that? I I see it as typical UFC. So I think the UFC does something really nice when they have a nice main event that has kind of been killing Bellator because they do the exact opposite. Bellator does go with that pro wrestling model or or whatever. Boxing. Boxing model, you said. Where when the main event is awesome or the main event's going to draw a lot of eyes, they don't stack the lower card. UFC does the opposite because they want you, if they're going to get 2 million eyes on UFC 200, they're going to make sure everything you see is like a violent finish or a submission. You know what I mean? So they want whoever tuned in that isn't usually a fan to be all in on the company from then on. Yeah, and I, I think that's what they're doing with 202 as I, well. I agree. So here's what I do find interesting about it, though. Um, when you look at this, and I think I posed this question to UFC pay-per-view buy rate expert Dave Meltzer on Twitter. I think this year has the chance to break the UFC pay-per-view record set back in the Brock Lesnar era, um, which I think was 2009 or 2010. Uh, probably 2009, the year with the UFC 100. Um, but, uh, you know, you look at Nate and Connor one did a reported 1.5 million UFC 200. Well, you figure is going to do over a million. I, I bet you, it, I bet you it's close to breaking records with Brock back. And I, then, I think with Brock back, I think it breaks the record. Uh, the record being UFC 100 with Brock at 1.6. So, yeah. okay, I'll give you that. Let's say so it breaks the record. 1.7. 1.7. And then Nate and Connor running it back. If the, the first one did 1.6 and now he's even more, Connor is more famous than he was in March. That's going to do big. And then you have the MSG show with a potential GSP return looming. That's going to be four shows that and have a, a chance. A, a million and a half. Yeah. That's six million just in four shows. That's just incredible to me. Um, All right. So other bits of news besides the awesome matchmaking. Um, Stop me if you've heard this, but someone famous has called out Michael Bisping. (laughs) It's not GSP. It's not Dan Henderson. Well, those two did as well. They did as well. That was last week, though. This week, the person to call out Michael Bisping is... Anderson Spider Silva. Yeah, well, and you know what? I think all of these guys are super smart calling him out because, you know, we, we said it before. He seems like a transitional champion. You, you know, you use that pro wrestling term. Last time we talked about it. It's Bob seems- Backlund, 1994, transitional champion from Bret Hart to Diesel. Go yeah, on. And it, it seems just like whoever you want to have the title next, the UFC can almost pick it. So uh, don't get me wrong. I do think he could beat Dan Henderson. I do think he could beat Anderson Silva again. Um, You know, like some of these guys, I think he could beat. But, you know, I think everybody else sees what we see, too. This is the best chance to get your hand on some gold. I mean, like, GSP would have never called out Luke Rockhold if Luke Rockhold was the champ. (laughs) No, he wouldn't No, not a chance. Luke Rockhold's nine times the size of him, and he's just as this athletic and twice as like muscle bound as GSP. That's is. actually, and you know, GSP, uh, I'm a GSP guy. Um, I do kind of wonder on that. Like I get, they're both at 19 wins. So there's some synergy there to that fight. I, I think that's just convenient talk because he sees that it's an easier win. Well, but then, and then, so GSP is the master chess player. I just can't believe you didn't think this through kind of, so like, okay, GSP wins. He's the new middleweight champion. And then the wolves are knocking at his door. He's going 
going to go fight Weidman? But, he's going to go defend against Rockhold? Or does he just give up the title? But here's my question. So say he, he stomps Bisping. Can he make sure that his first title shot is somebody like Dan Henderson, who he can also beat? Right. And then he's just like, no, nah, I think I'm out. Right. You know, I, I won the middleweight belt, never lost it. I'll see you guys later. Right. You know, and, and he might. You know, and, and there would be no shame in that. Eh, there'd kind of be a little shame. You think in that. there would be shame in that? For I, I mean, mean, this that dude has been retired for like three years. But, if he comes back and beats two guys who are technically title worthy, but he doesn't come in and stomp, you know, Luke Rockhold. He's not going to stomp Luke Rockhold. Well, that's what I'm saying though. Is yeah. that I don't. I mean, so no. You want, to, you want him to step into a fight? We're all pretty sure he's going to lose. I no. <laughs> I, what I'm saying is, is that if GSP were to come back and beat Bisping, because let's face it, anyone we match up against Bisping in this hypothetical world, we all assume is going to beat Bisping, or, or at least has a very good chance. I'd as even a, give Dan Henderson a decent. Chance. Me too, I, and I want to see that. But uh, yeah, it just then for him to bypass a more worthy title contender, like let's say a Jacare or a. Joel Romero off another win or a Chris Weidman coming back off neck surgery or a Luke Rockhold to get an easy win. I mean, that's just not very GSP-esque. That, I guess that's true. So anyway. That, he always did fight the best of the best. He Exactly. Um, so now we'll move doing this, taping the podcast in late June. The week of the Fan Expo, the week of Fight Week uh, for UFC 200 is stacked. The way we're going to do this, Gumby, let's break down the Thursday night fight night headlined by Dos Anjos versus Alvarez and then the Ultimate Fighter 23 finale on Friday, and then we will save our in-depth breakdown of UFC 200 for next week's show, episode 26. How does that sound to you? That sounds perfect. Okay. Too, be... much, too much on that UFC 200 uh, to fit two other shows on the same podcast. If you swerved me there and said that doesn't sound good after our pre-production meeting, <laughs> we would have had some problems. So we'll move now to our Thursday breakdown, uh, which is, of course, headlined by Rafael Dos Anjos defending his lightweight belt against Eddie Alvarez. And we will start right there, Gumby. Um, Eddie Alvarez is coming off a two-fight win streak. He is 2-1 and one in the UFC overall, lost to Donald Cerrone in his debut, but then came back, put the beatdown on Gil Melendez in Mexico, and then put a real beatdown on former champion Anthony Pettis. Dos Anjos uh, is coming off a demolishing of Donald Cerrone back in December, his first title defense, won the title from the aforementioned Anthony Pettis in March of 2015, and before that beat a guy by the name of Nate Diaz. He is on a five-fight win streak since losing to the Eagle, Habib Nurmagomedov. But Dos Anjos, really ever since I'd say the Nate fight, um, has looked like a completely different fighter. As Joe Rogan would say, a destroyer of worlds. Who do you have in this fight, Gumby? Uh, I got Dos Anjos by a mile here. Uh, And like you said, he's looked completely different since... Uh, that fight, and I think Cordero is the one to give credit to. Rafael Cordero, Kings MMA, Kings MMA. He's just really turned that place around recently. Um, with as good as Verdum's stand up looked, you can you know obviously give him a lot of the credit. Um, Dos Anjos' stand ups come a long way. I mean, he's a killer on his feet. Nah, he when he knocked out Benz and Henderson, I mean, man, was that devastating and just completely surprising. The other reason I think he's going to win here is not just because he looks so good, but that Alvarez and his wins have looked kind of one-dimensional. You know what I mean? When he beat Anthony Pettis, did he outstrike Anthony Pettis? He out-wrestled Anthony yeah, Pettis. Yeah, I mean, he just wrestled him, right? And I mean, he didn't look like a world-beater against Gil Melendez I think either. he lost the first round, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I probably would have given Gil the first round if I remember that fight right. So, you know, under no circumstances am I thinking that, you know, Alvarez has looked like a killer in these situations. So, you know, Dos Anjos has looked exactly like that. He's looked like a killer. So I got to go with the dominant looking champ over the guy who seems to have like gotten the shot because nobody else is ready for one. Right. I mean, Habib was, uh, he's out because of Ramadan for the summer yeah. and, uh, Tony Ferguson had a fight canceled. He's of course on a massive win streak. Um, Nate Diaz is at 170 for the time being. Stop. <laughs> um, that's actually a fight I would not mind seeing as a motivated Nate Diaz uh, versus Dos Yeah, Anjos run it back yeah. you know, after the Connor. So especially if he beats Connor twice, he's going to be like looking for one anyway. Uh, now, uh, it's worth noting that Eddie Alvarez is the plus 325 dog. Uh, Dos Anjos as much as a minus 450, uh, as low as 400, minus 400 favorite. And if I didn't mention it already, 
already, this is on Fight Pass, people. So if you're not a Fight Pass subscriber, hey, you're doing yourself a disservice. Um, this is on Thursday on Fight Pass, 10 o'clock, coming to you from Vegas. They did this uh, during the Nate... Ver- or sorry, during the Connor versus Aldo UFC 194 week, where they loaded up three fights, three nights, three nights in a row, three fight cards. The Thursday was kind of like a prospect one, headlined by Sage and Page, and then you had the Ultimate Fighter finale on the Friday, and then the big main event on Saturday. And I love the way they're doing this now. Um, you know, last year I think you got Wonder Boy versus um, Hootie Headkick. Uh, who, uh, we have to be more specific. The, sorry, people. <laughs> <laughs> After UFC, um, Nate ver- or I keep calling Connor Nate because now they're intertwined in my head. Uh, After Connor versus Mendez on Saturday, there was a Sunday Fox card headlined by Wonder Boy uh, versus. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. Get the It was the on spinning it. wheel kick. But anyway, the point oh, being, uh, Ellenberger. Ellenberger. Yep. Thank you. Um, I was going to say he had a brother. I was like, I was yep. searching for it. Um, anyway, point being is they moved that uh, fight night around the big pay per view on fight week to before the pay per view, and I like it so much better. Yeah, it's great. Everything leads up to the paper. I love game, it. Right? Okay, so then the co-main event, again, on Fight Pass, you have Roy Nelson, or as the Brazilians would say, Hoy Nelson. He's going to be facing Derek Lewis. Maybe you blinked and missed it, but Derek Lewis is on a three-fight win streak. Beat Victor Pesta via TKO in the third round. Beat Damian Grabowski, TKO in the first round, and just came off a win over Gabriel Gonzaga at UFC Zagreb beat uh, Gonzaga, as I just mentioned, via KO in the first round. Roy Nelson, or as the Brazilians would say, Hoy Nelson, is coming off a win over Jared the Boar Show, Rochalt. Uh, that was a unanimous decision win back in February. But before that, he lost to Josh Barnett by decision and lost to Alistair Overeem by decision. So he is one and two in his last three. And actually, going back one more, he lost to Mark Hunt with uh, a KO First KO of his career loss, so he's one and three in his last four. Actually, how you feeling about this? Uh, you know, you say that he's he's you know had that terrible run here, but you know what? It's not like he's fighting you know scrubs. I mean, Roy Nelson is one of the few people who repeatedly fights the top of the division. He's one of those ones the UFC never gives an easy fight to, and uh, I think you got to give it to him for that. Uh, obviously, Derek Lewis is on a hell of a run. But I still think I go Roy Nelson here only because Derek Lewis is just like a little too willing to stand and trade with the big heavyweights. And it it's only going to take one from Roy to put him on his ass. Uh, you know, like he could stand and trade with, with Gonzaga for a while until something happened and then shoot a takedown or, you know, and beat him any way that he wanted to. Eventually it was with the fist. But with Roy Nelson, he's going to need to get that down as quickly as possible. And, and I just don't see that. I, I guess maybe I think Roy Nelson's takedown defense is a little better than that. So you're picking Roy Nelson here. I'm going to go Roy Nelson knockout. Roy Nelson knockout? Yeah. Okay. I'm also going Roy Nelson, but I'm just going with a uh, a third-round decision win. Uh, can I when, ask when you? Does, when does Roy Nelson win decisions, though? Uh, he just won one over Jared the Borsho Rochelle. That's it. And he fought very safe. You're not going to be able to fight safe against Derek Lewis, I don't think. Uh, I mean, Rochelle in no way was ever going to knock him out or beat him by finish, right? Uh, uh, no, no. He got cut for being boring. Yeah, so, I mean, decisions. Nelson, I think, knew that and was like, why put the pedal to the metal? Whereas I think he knows against Lewis he's going to have to, you know, he's going to have to bring it. Yeah, yeah. You do have to bring it against Lewis. Now, if we went to the odds on this, it's very close, actually. Hoy Nelson is a minus 135 favorite. Lewis you could get at a plus 115 dog. Um, moving on, this card has a lot of, uh, good fights, you know, so many fights this week, uh, about 35, I think we counted, um, Alberto Mina versus Mike Pyle is interesting, uh, Mina 2-0, uh, in his last two, uh, his two UFC fights, beat Akiyama, beat Anzai, and then Mike Pyle, the veteran, uh, is coming off a win, uh, via TKO over Sam Spencer. Sean Spencer. Uh, Sean Spencer. And lost to Colby Covington and Jordan Mean before that. Where are you thinking uh, this fight goes? So I'm a little bit worried here about uh, Pyle's takedown uh, defense. Uh, you know, he's a really, really good wrestler. You know, we talked to John Wood about that. Um, and, and he's really cerebral. But 
Mina has got a, a really good set of takedowns here. You got to remember Akiyama is a judo black belt, and Mina put him on his back multiple times. Mina also, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure is undefeated. You know, just one of those like kind of under the radar prospects here. Um, so if my pile is is going to defend the takedown, he's going to have a nice fight here because I don't think Mina's going to sting him on the feet. But uh, I, I think I'm going to go with Mina on this one. Wow. So uh, picking against the veteran Mike Pyle, are you? Yeah, and he's got like, what, friggin' 50 fights or something 6, like that? 6,000 fights. <laughs> um, and then moving on, uh, you have uh, Alan Joban, the model. Uh, he's going to be fighting um, uh, Bilal Muhammad. Muhammad. Yeah. He's a newcomer, too, so Bilal Muhammad, no UFC fights, but I've seen him fight in uh, Titan a bunch of times. He was, he was a well-known, uh, especially once uh, Fight Pass got a hold of Titan. Um, he got put all over the place. He's not a terribly exciting fighter. That's kind of the knock on him is that he's just like you know a grinder. He decisions the hell out of you. Whereas, I mean, I think Joban's the exact opposite. Wouldn't you say, like, you know, he's lost a couple of fights as the result of trying to be too damn exciting? So, uh, you know, in this one, I think Muhammad has got all the tools to grind out Joban. Uh, in a similar way, I just said Mina would grind out Mike Pyle. Um, you know, he's just got better takedowns. He's got better cage control. And uh, especially with Joban being so susceptible to being kind of controlled when he doesn't hit his flashy stuff, I think this is a good fight for Muhammad. Muhammad, 9-0 and in his career. This will be his UFC debut. Gumby, again, picking uh, the the rookie, so to speak, against, uh, I guess you could call Joban a veteran at this yeah, point. Yeah, I mean, he's been in the UFC for quite a while. I, I'd call him a veteran. Um, and then uh, you also have friend of the show, John uh, Macdessey, uh, facing other friend of the show, Mehdi Baghdad. Yeah, and that's a really exciting fight, too, only because, I mean, when, when we talked to Baghdad about it, you know, he said, this is going to be one of those fights where violence is, is going to happen. You know, like, he promised uh, violence. Yeah, he, and he even said it in his, uh, his lovely French accent, too, uh, which was, made it really fun to talk to him. I'm going to stand in front of him, and we're going to throw down. And if you know Medi or, uh, John McDessie, John McDessie is not going to stand away from that. Uh, McDessie famously, you know, Busted onto the UFC scene with that spinning back fist KO of Kyle Watson. Um, absolutely awesome finish. Uh, I'm going to pick Mac Desi on this one, too, because I think his, his striking is just a little bit better. I mean, uh, he has lost his last two with the, the split loss to Yancey Medeiros, and he got TKO'd by Donald Cerrone, but who didn't in that period of time? And, um, and also worth noting that a third uh, loss in a row could spell the end as UFC days. Yeah, well, I mean, you could say the same thing of Mehdi Bogdad, too. I mean, he's only 0-1, but you got to remember he's a tough veteran who didn't get invited back right away, then won a couple of fights outside, then got invited back. I mean, if he lost two in a row, uh, you know, the first one a submission to Chris Wade, the second one a knockout to John McDessie, I, I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't count on a third fight if I was him. Now, McDessie is the minus 175 favorite. You get Mitty Baghdad as a plus 150 dog. I failed to mention it before, so I'll mention it now. Your boy Mina is a very slight favorite, plus, uh, or sorry, very slight underdog, plus 105 to Mike Pyle, the minus 125 favorite. Um, moving on in the card, you have Joe Duffy, Irish MMA star, facing Mitch Clark. Duffy, the minus 345 favorite. Mitch Clark, a plus 285 dog. What are you thinking here, Gumby? I mean, I like Clark's wrestling, and I think that's the only reason it's as close as it is. But, you know, to be fair, I mean, Duffy's just a much more well-rounded fighter. He Coming looks... off a loss to Poirier, by the yeah, way. Yeah, but, I mean, like... Who's looked better than Dustin Poirier as of late? I mean, he looked like a killer his last couple of times out. So, um, yeah, I, I still think Duffy's got more tools. The man who beat Conor McGregor, remember? That's right. <laughs> Rear naked um, choke, wasn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, I think... Outside the UFC. I, I think Mitch Clark has got a lot of good tools, um, but Duffy's just better everywhere. That's why he's such a favorite. And don't forget that Mitch Clark has a, uh, a submission win over Ally Aquinta. Yeah, which is 
pretty damn impressive. It's one of those. Uh, it's one of those wins that you. It just completely slips your mind. It does. Yeah. You never think of Alia Quinta giving I up mean, that, a submission. That's like the uh, since he's gone on a run. The Michael Johnson uh, win over Tony Ferguson. Yeah. So right. right. Yeah. You like, almost forget about it. Yep. Um, all right. So now, just looking at the rest of the card, I don't think we have to go in depth here. Um, you're dealing with a lot of guys trying to make a name for themselves, but is there anyone that excites you? You have Pedro Munoz versus Russell Doan. You have Felipe Arantes versus Jared Saunders. Alvaro Herrera versus Vicente Luke. Gilbert Vernes versus Lucas Sajewski. And Marco Beltran versus Reginaldo Viara. I watch so much UFC, I can't even picture half these guys' there, faces. There's two, or uh, actually two... Two uh, fighters in there were facing off that are really exciting to me. Russell Doan has got uh, a really interesting, well-rounded game uh, where he mixes a little stand-up with uh, a lot of grappling. Uh, he's fighting, fighting Pedro Munoz, who is a really, really, really exciting grappler. Um, he actually just released his own uh, leg lock app for smartphones. That's awesome. Yeah, and I, I haven't looked at it yet, but I have seen a couple of the videos uh, via other social media outlets. Um, which is kind of fun. There was like a double leg failed uh, to a uh, uh, heel hook, which I was like, I'm not quite sure how that transition could ever happen. But I watched it. It was kind of interesting. Um, so I like that as a hopeful grappling match. You know, I hope it doesn't take place on the feet. And the other one in there is Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns is, uh, you know, he was undefeated before he lost last time. So him looking for redemption is going to be a lot of fun, too. All right, so that kind of takes care of the Thursday night Fight Pass card. Um, We'll move now to the Friday night Ultimate Fighter finale. This, of course, is the Joanna Janjacek versus Claudia Gedalia season. This is a rematch that I've been so hyped on. It happened before JJ became champion. Um, It's actually the fight that JJ won via split decision, three-round fight, to get her title shot versus Carla Esparza. And I just could not be more excited for a uh, a women's strawweight fight. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those fights where you feel like, too, if Gedalia somehow wins, the trilogy is just ready to go. Just ready to go. I mean, the Take first, my money now. Yeah, and unfortunately, I mean, do you want to you do the breakdown before I... Sure, so here we go. So you have your champion, Joanna Jacek, who's looked like just an absolute killer since winning the belt. Um, of course, beat uh, Juliana Lima in her UFC debut, then beat Claudia Gedalia to get the title shot, beat the crap out of Carla Sparza. Carla Sparza looked like a deer in the headlights. This is back at UFC 185. more of a deer in the headlights than Jessica Pene? Uh, well, oh. Jessica Penne looked like a deer after getting hit by the headlights. By the headlights. <laughs> uh, beat Jessica Penne uh, via TKO, punches and knees in the third round back in June of 2015. And, of course, our champ, Joanna Champion, JJ, is coming off a win over Valerie Letourneau uh, back at um, UFC 193, which was headlined by Ronda Rousey versus Holly Holm. Don't know if you ever heard about it. Gedalia, on the other hand, um, the Brazilian star, who I have to say, quite fetching, never realized it. But after watching The Ultimate Fighter, um, she is coming off a win over Jessica Aguilar uh, and, of course, lost to Joanna back in December of 2014. So she's been re- relatively inactive um, since then. She beat Jessica Aguilar via unanimous decision. What are you thinking here? Uh, I'm thinking Jan Jacek. Uh, as close as the first one was, I think Jan Jacek's got two things going for her. One, takedown defense. Is her takedown defense is out of this world. Her footwork keeps her away from the takedowns. When somebody does shoot one, she seems to just shuck her off. Um, and, and obviously, this is a fight that if it's on the ground, it favors Gedalia. If it's on the feet, it favors Jan Jacek. So, I mean, I, I think that the first thing she's got going for her is Gedalia probably isn't going to get her down more than once or twice. The second thing she's got going for her is that this being a three or a five round fight instead of a three round fight, I think favors her so much. Her output doesn't seem to wane as she gets later and later into the fight. I mean, you saw that. I think she finished Pene in the fourth round. Fourth round. Yeah, and she looked more vicious in the fourth than she did in the first. You know, whereas, uh, you know, I don't think Gedalia's ever gone that way into a fight. If she's going to be shooting those takedowns all the time, trying to pick Joanna up, her arms are going to gas. She's going to get blasted sometime in the fourth or fifth round, um, if not earlier. Couldn't agree with you more on this breakdown. Gedalia, the plus 120 dog. Joanna, the minus 150 favorite. And honestly, kind of surprised it's that close. I think people are giving a lot of credence to the fact that it was a split decision the first time they met. But I have to say... 
that they've gone in two very different directions. Gedalia's had one fight in the past two years. JJ, I think, Just has gotten... Smashing people. <laughs> smashing people and getting better and better. She's becoming that true martial artist. And I, I think of her much like I think of maybe a Connor or a Wonder Boy. Her takedown defense has gotten so good that she's allowing... Um, or she's allowed to dictate the fight standing up. She, to me, it, it, you know, those are two really good comparisons. But the comparison I'll draw is she's a lot like Chuck Liddell for me. I mean, like, she's got legitimate knockout power, and, uh, you know, I can't remember the last time I saw somebody take her down. You know, it might have been Gedalia, right? I mean, even Carla Smart. Yeah, you know, let's look that up, I mean, actually, because that's a maybe had her down for, like, one, a second. Yeah, agreed. But, like, you know, Asparza is a very legitimate wrestler. I mean, Asparza out-wrestled Rose Namajunas. So, like, for... For Jan Jacek to have like only been kind of taken down and then got right back up and smashed her in the face, I mean, that's, so that's Asparza got one. It yeah. was probably for like a second. I, I don't down. even really recall it. And it was like, how long was the fight? Uh, it only went two rounds. Yeah, but but two rounds with like a very maybe one of the best wrestlers in the division. I think the best wrestler yeah. in the division. She wrestled in college. Valerie Letourneau got a takedown. I don't remember it. Yeah, it I don't was remember for a that second. either. <laughs> and then you have to go back. Penny got zero takedowns. And then Gedalia scored seven in that three-round fight. Yeah, but that was just because she got up so fast. Right. Yeah, and I, and I do think she's a different fighter now. Um, this card, actually, the more I look at it, I mean, the whole week is so amazing, but this card, uh, is really stacked. Um, and we haven't even gotten to the prospects, which make me the most excited. Uh, but we'll go now to Will Brooks coming out of Bellator, making his UFC debut and he gets very, uh, hard hitting and tough brawler Ross Pearson. Pearson is coming off a win over Chad LaPreeze. Lost to Francisco Trinaldo before that and beat Paul Felder, believe it or not, via split decision before that. So he is two and one in his last three. Brooks, as aforementioned, coming out of Bellator, beat Marcine Held, beat Dave Jansen, beat Michael Chandler, beat Michael Chandler again. He's on a, oh, geez, he is on a eight-fight win streak in Bellator. He just had that one loss to um... Saeed Awad. Oh, Saeed Awad, yep. So, uh, what are you thinking for Will Brooks in his UFC debut? I mean, uh, it should also be noted, I'm pretty sure Will Brooks avenged that loss to Awad. Uh, he did, via thereafter. unanimous decision. Yep. So, I mean, I think that this fight is tailor-made for Brooks, in that Brooks has got really, really good wrestling, and they lined him up with a guy whose wrestling defense is a little bit suspect. Uh, you know, it's like a really good fight for him to step in, show what he does so well, uh, and then kind of move him up because now he is going to be a star. I think the UFC wants to slap Bellator in the face for like throwing away such a good champion. I mean, he's a 17 and one champion with Bellator in the only loss he had. He avenged. He beat Michael Chandler, who's back to being the champion Bellator twice. Um, I think he took less money to come to the UFC as well, if reports are to be true. So you were taking Will Brooks all day. I, I think it, it, this is a tailor made three round decision for him. Okay, very good. Um, now we get to go to the f- funnest part to me of the night, and we get to see our first uh, mega prospect, and that is the Korean superboy, uh, Chu Do Ho. Uh, he will be fighting Tiago Tavares. Uh, Tavares is coming off a win over Clay Guida, lost to Brian Ortega before that, beat Robbie Peralta before that. So he is 2-1 and one in his last three. Uh Chu is uh, coming off a win, beat Sam Cecilia um, back in November of 2015, and beat Juan Puig in his UFC debut. So he's 2-0 and in the UFC, uh, has a performance of the night, has TKO wins in the first round of both of his fights. He spent like two minutes in the, the cage, right? Minute I, 51, I think it I, was. I was just going to say, he's spent under two minutes in the cage between his two fights. So exciting. Who you got? Uh, I'm going to go with Duhu Choi. Fuck uh, yeah, you are. I, I think the Korean Superboy is just a freaking killer. Um, I actually wrote an article this week for MMA Dash Manifesto. Plug. Nice plug. Um, about the most likely people to uh, get UFC gold out of different areas. I've been doing uh, you know, one area every couple weeks and I did East Asia this time and I said Duhu Choi number one most likely to be the first East Asian guy to win a title or, or gal for that matter uh, I just think he's got all the tools he's super super violent with his TKOs that one of Juan Manuel Puig I want to say happened in 17 seconds 
Uh, and Sam Cecilia, what a freaking guy to have on your resume after two tough fights. Tough dude. That's I mean, a tough a dude. Really, really tough dude. Um, training with Michael Chiesa all the time. He's like Michael Chiesa's number one guy. Uh, and Choi still flatlined him. So, um, yeah, I'm going to say Choi all the way here. Tavares, he's good in a lot of places. Uh, I like him on the ground a lot more than I like him on the feet, but he falls in love with his hands a lot, uh, which is not – this is not the right guy to fall in love with your hands against. Well said. Uh, then we have a prospect coming out of Australia and a friend of the show. Anton Zafir is going to be fighting Jingling Li. Zafir, unfortunately, uh, took a fight on short notice at UFC 193 and lost to James Munsari. Um, Mutasri and uh, Jing Lang Li also coming off a loss, um, but is one and two in the UFC. Lost to Nordine Talib and beat Diego Lima. What are you thinking here? You better say Zafir. He's a friend of the show. I mean, I like Zafir in this one uh, because I think with a, a longer camp, you're going to see a lot of that uh, stuff you missed in the first fight. He's got some really good boxing. Uh, you know, he moves in and out really well. So I think moving in and out really well against a guy like Jing Lang, who is uh, really good at takedowns, is going to keep him away from those takedowns. He's going to pepper him on the feet. And I, I'm sure that's probably what Zafir is planning, seeing as he's so cerebral, the professor, as he's known. Now, before we get to what, in my opinion, is maybe one of the three best fights of the weekend, the main event of this night, if you ask me, um... Do you have any feelings on Gray Maynard versus Fernando Bruno, John Moraga versus Matthias Nicolau, Cesar Ferrara versus Anthony Smith, or the Ultimate Fighter finales, which have yet to be determined? Um, so I, I, I haven't been following the Ultimate Fighter as closely as I have in the past, so I don't have anything for that. I will say um, I think Gray Maynard moving up 45 is a terrible mistake. Um, if he can't make his living at 55, cutting more is not going to be the best way for him to get better. Um Although, then again, there's a little bit of a gap looking for a wrestler in that division now. Uh, I like Moraga. Uh, and Anthony Smith is one of my favorite guys at 85 stepping in recently. A uh, lot of tools there. look really good outside of the UFC. All right. And now we get to my favorite fight of the night. You have Jake Matthews, uber prospect out of Australia, fighting Kevin motherfucking Lee. Matthews is 10-1 and one in his pro career. His one loss to the Texecutioner, James Vick, via guillotine choke. He's 2-1 and one in his last three, coming off two wins over other prospect Johnny Case and Akbar Ariola. Yes, I said Ariola. Kevin Lee, on the other hand, uh, is coming off a win over Efron Escudero, lost to Leonardo, uh, Leonardo Santos before that, and beat James Muntasri before that. So he is 2-1 and one in his last three, but it is worth noting that in the UFC, he is... Um, He's 5-2. and two. Yeah, and the only other loss, Ally Aquinta's short notice. I think it was like four days uh, in his UFC debut. Uh, he is just a, a largely underrated grappler. His wrestling is so good. Um, he, he does wrestling seminars for people. Um, he's, he's a very, very legitimate ground threat. That being said, he, it, it could be a little bit suspect on the feet because I do think Jake Matthews probably has a few more tools on the feet. Um, Jake Matthews is a little bit better on the feet. I think Lee is a little bit better on the ground, which makes this fight it's so, it's damn a, near impossible yeah, to it's call. it's a tight right? fight. And yeah. you know what the funny thing is, too, is this fight was originally James Matthews, or Jake Matthews, rather, versus Stevie Lee. Uh, Stevie, Stevie Ray, Ray yeah, out of uh, uh, Scotland, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and that one was equally as hard to, to call because... Stevie Ray, also an amazing grappler, just like Kevin Lee. They pretty much stuck like a, a prospect just like Stevie Ray in the same thing. So, I mean, this one is razor, razor, razor I, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm actually going to say Kevin Lee uh, just because of the grappling. I, but I think, if you I tell think me... if he wins, it's by submission. Yeah, okay, fair and, enough. And I'll say, yeah, and I'll say probably if he can get Matthews to the ground... That's what's going to happen. And we've seen Matthews lose via guillotine choke before. Yep. So interesting you say that. But this is this is like, you know, well, hey, I'll tell you what. Why should we sell it when we could just have Kevin Lee sell it? Because guess what? We got to talk to him. Yeah, Kevin Lee is uh, our interview for this week. So this interview is brought to you by New England Submission Fighting. New England Submission Fighting, a mixed martial arts gym in the lovely quaint and picturesque town of Amherst, Massachusetts. Class is six days a week. It is the oldest mixed martial arts gym in Massachusetts. 
Uh, Dave Roy, Kirik Janess are the head coaches. You can check them out, AmherstMMA.com. Don't take our word for it. If you're anywhere within the area, within a 50, even 70, nay, 100-mile radius, come on down. Tell them Dave and Gumby sent you. You'll be treated with a smile, a hug, a handshake, and a choke. New England Submission Fighting brings you our interview with Kevin Lee. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland here with my co-host Dave Tremonti, and we are here with the Motown phenom Kevin Lee, who fights at the Tough Finale July 8th against Jake Matthews. Uh, Kevin, you, you decided to take this fight uh, kind of on short notice. You only got about a month to prepare for the fight. Um, you know, you, you've taken short notice fights before. You know, what's so intriguing about them to you? And, uh, you know, what's the, the really difficult nature about them? Uh, you know, for me, for this one especially, uh, was, it, it, it's always the weight, you know. The, the weight's the, the biggest problem with uh, taking a short notice fight for me. I said if we if we didn't uh, if we didn't cut weight in MMA, I would fight once a month for sure. You know, I'm always in shape. I'm always around the gym. Uh, but usually, it takes me a good eight weeks to cut the weight in the proper way. So you know, it, it, for this one, I've hired a new nutritionist to, to kind of like you know counter that for me a little bit. So uh, you know, it, it, things are going smooth. It's going to work out just fine. But uh, you know, and you know me, I, I, I like taking the fights and I like the money for sure. So, you know, the more they keep coming at me, the better. And money is never a bad thing. Now, there is a new weight cutting procedure in place. Uh, you have mm-hmm. to be about 8% of your fight weight, I believe it is, 8 or 9% on the Tuesday yeah. before a Saturday night fight. So how do you approach this weight cut differently, knowing that you have to be within 8% on Tuesday before the fight? Is that going to be a challenge for you? Well, from my understanding, they aren't really going to hold us to it, you know. There, there, there's no real, you know, nobody set forth any penalties for, uh, for, for coming in over that 8%. Um, I think this is, this is going to be the first weekend that they do it. So I guess they're going to, you know, uh, uh, give us a dry test run or so. But I imagine, I mean, most of us, if not all, are all going to come in over that 8%. If anything, I think that 10 o'clock new, uh, weigh-in procedure where we just have to walk down and weigh in there from the commission instead of having to wait till four o'clock is just going to help me with the weight cut. So, uh, you know, I, about that 8%, I'm going to come in there, whatever the hell I come in at. And, uh, you know, then they're going to do what they're going to do. They're going to come with the drama or whatever. So, you know, I'm, 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 I'm everything's still the normal to me. You're a guy who's, uh, you know, really out there on social media. You know, you're, you're really great at selling your fights. Um, you know, early or in your career, you were calling for a fight with Sage Northcutt while he was on the rise. Is that still something mm-hmm. you'd like to do down the line? Or was that something you just kind of wanted to be the first one to take the luster off of him? No, I was trying. I mean, it, it does. Uh, with him losing, it did kind of take some of the steam away from it. But, uh, you know, I was still trying to get it for this card. Uh, if he would have won in, in February, I think that would have been the fight that they put together for UFC 200. But, uh, you know, it, and I was still trying to get him on UC, UFC 200 if uh, his opponent was to pull out or, you know, they got him fighting some cans. So, uh, you know, if they wanted to make a shift, you know, make it a real fight. But I think with him coming off a loss, they don't want him to take two losses in a row. Uh, and they're going to protect them a little bit. But, you know, no, in, in the end, I'm, I'm still looking for that fight. You know, the, he, he's definitely an easier fight than uh than Jake Matthews is. And I mean Jake Matthews is, is, is for, for hardcore fans that really know the sport, they know the kids are legit. Uh you know, he's got 10 times more heart than 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 Sage and uh 10 times more skill, but 10 times less of the name recognition in the World War. So, you know, you, you take it how it comes, you know. Now, we have to rewind just for a second. I want to make sure I, I didn't misunderstand this. Did you say you still want to fight him at UFC 200, meaning you would fight Jake Matthews on a Friday and then come come 24 hours later, fight, <laughs> fight Sage North? Did I get that right, or did I misinterpret? Uh, no, no. I mean, you know, we would obviously we would switch around the contract, and I would just, you know, uh, kick Jake to the curb and, and take over for, for old Sage there and save UFC 200 for the, for the UFC. So, uh, no, I would kick Jake to the curb. You know, the athletic commission wouldn't let me do it. As, as fun as that sounds, uh, cutting the weight after I fight on Friday doesn't sound much fun at all. No, so, you true. know, I don't, I don't see that happening. No, that sounds terrible. So, uh, you know, 
keeping with the same theme, uh, obviously, you know, Sage Northcutt, a guy you called out a lot. Um, the, mm-hmm. the Twitter spat with Will Brooks was, was heavily publicized uh, throughout media outlets. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, why Will Brooks, of all people? What, what about Will Brooks made you want to welcome him into the UFC? You know, I don't really know. <laughs> I don't know. Will's tough. Will's like one of the toughest. Mo- can I curse or no? Yeah, you can curse. Curse yeah, away, curse. Man. Oh, uh, Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, Will, Will Brooks is one of the toughest motherfuckers that, that, that are, you know, that is in the division, for sure. You know, I ain't taking nothing away from him. That, that's what I want. I want tough fights. The, the, the tougher the fight for me, the more I can get up for it. And I think those have always been the fights that really uh, showcase what I'm best at. It's always the fights where, like, I think the guy's a bum, and I'm like, you know, and, you know, I'm like, yeah, I guess I'll fight him. But you know, it, it's the fights that really get me going. That uh, that that where I could prove something. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, if the guy I think is really tough, and and Will Brooks is a world champion, and you know, will be a top contender I think when he gets over to the UFC. So you know, I wanted to take some of that luster from him, especially if they were going to have him fight in Chicago. Uh, you know, I'm from Detroit. Knew all my fans would have came out from the Midwest. You know, I rule the Midwest, so, uh, you know, I got plenty of fans in Chicago. He's from Chicago. It would have been a great, great fight on the card. But, uh, you know, I guess he's got a bum manager or whatever he's going through <laughs> because uh, he, uh, apparently they don't, want, they don't want no piece of the Will Brooks business. So he might go over to 1FC or something like that. He, he, they might just uh been asking his ass, so I'll leave him alone. <laughs> Uh, and the yeah, man has enough troubles as it is, <laughs> and he don't need to get beat up on on national TV for ten G's by me. You know, <laughs> he, he, apparently he has enough trouble. He, he got to stay out that unemployment line. People who don't have problems, let's talk a little bit about a couple of the people from your gym. You know, obviously mm-hmm. huge wins from Misha Tate in uh, in Brian Caraway recently. Um, you know, mm-hmm. what what do their recent wins do to the feeling in the gym? Uh, is there more momentum? Do you feel like you get? energized behind the positive momentum in the gym oh yeah absolutely i mean uh and, and through all of vegas really uh not even just in the gym but it, you know it it it, it uh, you know it, it it's so good to see somebody that you you know that you spend every day with you know you do the same things and, and when you see them accomplish things especially like misha you know she won a world championship and and it just really puts it like, you know, she comes to the gym and you can, she brings the belt with her and you can see it, you know, her locker is like right above mine or like right next to it. So I can see it, you know, so, so it just makes it even more of attainable for a goal for me. And, uh, you know, it just gives you a little added motivation. You know, sometimes when you, when you train in these places and, and you kind of train in with like a lot, a little low, lower level fighters and lower level names, uh, even if they might just be just as tough. Sometimes it's hard to see the the end road when you can see it and it's right there in front of you and uh big shiny gold. I mean, what more can you ask for? Absolutely. That's some positive motivation right there. Now, uh, Kevin, you are fighting during international fight week. You're fighting on the tough finale the night before UFC 200. And we wouldn't be mm-hmm. doing our job if we didn't at least ask your opinion on this big news coming out last week, Brock Lesnar making his return to the UFC at UFC 200. Yes, what, what's your take on that? Does he have a chance here against Mark Hunt? Because he hasn't fought now going on four or five years, you know, went out on two losses. What's your take on his yeah. return? He's doing it for the money. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. The man must spend a lot of money. He, you know, he must be Floyd Mayweather without the without all the the, the flash. I don't, you know, I, if you ask me, I don't know. He's gonna lose a couple brain cells, uh, but he's gonna make a couple dollars. So, uh, and I ain't hating on it. So, I probably would do the same thing if if I'm being honest. So, <laughs> you know, he's doing it for the money, but uh, he's gonna go out there and. Uh, Mark's, uh, you know, I don't know. Mark's gonna put it on the boy. Mark, Mark, Mark's a Samoan, you know. They, they fight for fun. Like they fight outside of bars for fun, you know. If you fighting somebody like that just for the money, uh, you know, he do it for fun. So I, I'm pretty sure he'd be more than happy to beat Brock, Brock's face in for like a, a Corona, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know. I believe. So, I, I think Mark it, Hunt was actually discovered just beating someone up in the streets of uh, New Zealand as a bouncer, if I'm not mistaken. So I think you're 100%. I mean, look at the guy. Look at the guy. You, you, I would think, yeah, 1,000%, I think, you know. 
Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. I would take that story, and you wouldn't even have to tell me that story. I already know it. You know, uh, you know, Brock, Brock. He, you know, he probably grew up in the on the farm. You know, out in the fields. Probably never got into a conversation in his life. And uh, I mean, you see it in his fights. He doesn't like get hit. You know, he doesn't really. Uh, you know, he don't like no conversation. That's the wrong man to pick a fight with if you don't like no conversation. Tell you that right now, you know. Said. Well, we will end on this, Kevin. Uh, you fight Jake Matthews on July eighth. When yes, sir. When the fight is over and Bruce Buffer is making that announcement, what is he going to say? How is this fight going to end? Jake will break in two rounds for sure. Uh, you know, he, he's never fought somebody like me. He's never fought somebody as experienced as me. Uh, you know, someone who can match him and, and surpass him in athleticism. He's getting by on these fights with heart and athleticism and being younger. You know, I'm just as young. I'm just as fast. I'm just as athletic. And I got a lot more fight experience. And, uh, you know, he's been fighting these bums over in, in Australia. You know, they're bringing out cancer for him to fight him and, and kind of build him up in front of his hometown. Uh, he's coming to my hometown for this one. You know, he's, he's going to be breathing in some of this Vegas dry heat. Uh, you know, he's going to be a little tired because of the, because of the time difference on that. He'll break in two rounds. He'll, he'll, he'll get in there. We'll have a good first round. He'll realize I ain't going nowhere. He'll realize I'm, I'm faster. I'm stronger and I'm more technical and, uh, he'll break. Well, you heard it here first. I, I can tell you from a fight fan's perspective, there will be about 30 fights that week. And for us on this show, uh, as big fight fans, none is more exciting than Jake Matthews and Kevin Lee. It's, you know, one of the top five fights that week. It is a mega prospect battle. And Kevin, we wish you a lot of luck in that fight. It's July 8th at the Ultimate Fighter finale. And we thank you for the time today. Very much, my man. Thank you. Thank you. I think, you know, most hardcore, hardcore fans are looking at this fight as, uh, you know, showing the next, uh, the future of 155. So I think you're dead on with it. All right, there you have it, Gumby. Kevin Lee. Yeah, he is uh, a really fun guy in the mic. The UFC ought to give him the mic more often because uh, he'll say funny things like, I mean, that line about Mark Hunt is my favorite. <laughs> yeah. He'd have fought Brock Lesnar for a corona. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's awesome, man. Um, so that was awesome that he got a chance to catch up with us or we got a chance to catch up with him before his big fight. Um, and like I said, I could not be more excited about Jake Matthews and Kevin Lee. Um, just one of the best matches of the 35 fight uh, fights that'll Pro- take place. Probably more to be added when you have the tough people in there. It might be 40 fights before all is said and done. Um, so one, uh, as we kind of you know wrap up here, one sad note to pass on, which of course, uh, Ryan Jimmo passed away, uh, hit and run. He was the Canadian MMA fighter, recently cut by the UFC, but a very exciting fighter to watch. And just more bummer news for the MMA world this year. Yeah, and it, it, it's particularly really sad just because of how young he was. In, in the stories that have come out about what a great guy he was, too. I mean, I saw something from uh, Burt Watson about how he was just, like, the kind of guy who, no matter who he knew, who he saw, he'd, like, walk up to him and hug him. Uh, you know, just, like, a very genuine, very, very nice guy. So it's, it's sad to see him go, in addition to, obviously, losing an amazing MMA talent. I will never forget his, like, seven-second knockout of Anthony Perosh. Is that the record now, or did Duffy beat that? I, I mean, I, I don't... I think probably they they still give it to to Todd Duffy. Was I mean, Todd like, Duffy six seconds? Yeah, you're okay. probably splitting hairs on that, but yeah. but that knockout was way more vicious than Duffy's. Uh, also worth noting, he has a win over Sean O'Connell, who put on a fight of the fight of the year performance last week versus Bose. Yeah, so I mean, just you know, amazing talent, awesome guy. From what I've heard, obviously we've we've never interviewed him or met him, but. You know, just a, a stellar human being, and it, it's sad to see, you know, this kind of stuff keep popping up in MMA. Absolute bummer to end the show on, but our uh, our thoughts are with uh, Ryan Jimmo and his family, and hopefully they catch the assholes responsible uh, yet again another week with bad news in the MMA world. Um, but we will be back next week with our preview of UFC 200. We thank you so much for listening. Give us a follow on Twitter at Top Turtle MMA. Feel free to email the show at Top Turtle at gmail.com. We are accepting both love and hate mail right now. I am David Tremonti. I was joined by Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back next week with the UFC 200 preview.